Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Fast Money starts right now live from the NASDAQ market site in New York City's Times Square. I'm Scott Wapner in tonight for Melissa Lee. Our traders tonight on the desk are Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Ahead on Fast, financials under fire. The group sinking deeper into correction as the 10-year yield hits its lowest level since 2017. And a top technician says there is more pain coming. He'll tell you what to buy instead. Plus, the Dow on track for its first down month of the year. But if you're worried about more volatility, Guy says this stock right here could be about to break out. But we start where else? Apple hosting a star-studded event today, unveiling everything from a new streaming service to new gaming features, a credit card. For more on that, let's get to Josh Lipton out in Cupertino, California. Josh. Scott, and the star of the show today had to be that new video streaming service. It's called Apple TV+. Plus. We partnered with the most thoughtful, accomplished, and award-winning group of creative visionaries who have ever come together in one place to create a new service unlike anything that's been done before. Apple TV Plus. So this new service, Scott, will feature original shows, movies, and documentaries from Hollywood superstars who were here today talking about their new shows. So you saw Steven Spielberg, Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, Jason Momoa, and Oprah. But there are questions, too. Is the content really going to be all that truly must-see compelling? We're going to have to wait to find out. And what is the price going to be of this new service? We're going to have to wait for that, too. Additionally, Apple debuted an all-new Apple TV app. It's going to be coming in May, where users can subscribe to channels like HBO, Showtime, and Stars, and Apple News Plus. And this is a new subscription service bringing together over 300 magazines and leading newspapers for $9.99. An Apple Card, which it bills as a new kind of credit card built into the Apple Wallet app on the iPhone, as well as an actual physical credit card designed to work where Apple Pay is not accepted. And finally, Apple did tease a new service for gamers as well. It's going to be called Apple Arcade, a subscription service that will feature over 100 new and exclusive games that also launching in the fall. Apple, of course, does boast a huge installed base. There are 1.4 billion Apple devices out there. So how many fans can now Apple convince to buy in to these new services? unveiled today. Scott, back to you. Okay, Josh, thanks so much. Apple shares closing the day down more than 1%, still up around 20% this year. So will the company's transformation to services pay off for investors? That's the key question because that's what this is all about. It is a, what it's all about. The stock is up 33% from January 2nd when the company pre-announced a pretty disappointing uh, fiscal quarter. A lot of that had to do with hardware and hardware weakness in China. So if you can overlook all that and you look at the announcements that they made today, while there wasn't a whole heck of a lot of detail at all, pricing, that sort of thing, when these uh, products are going to be released, you can think about that installed base. You can think about the fact that the average iPhone user spends about $44 uh, you know, on, you know, and 
annually uh, on their through their device in this ecosystem. And you say to yourself, that's a whole host of services now that they're going to be able to expand that ecosystem. It's not a reason to go buy the stock at 188 bucks right here, up 33% from those 52-week lows. Um, but it is something that should give you some solace about the future of this company as they try to figure out how to offset those unit declines, elongating upgrade cycles, and what will ultimately be declining margins in their hardware business. Okay, so Timmy, Dan said it. Not enough to buy the stock he just said. Is that right? Well, the stock at 14 and a half times X cash times next year puts you, I don't know, somewhere around 220, 225 on the stock. I own the stock. I think the stock's worth owning here, independent of today's announcement. I think I agree with Dan. Not sure, Dan. Uh, no, but you buy it nothing, here? Nothing you, you today. Buy it here? That was, no. You buy it fresh here? Yeah, I can put fresh capital to work here. Um, well, if you're long, there was nothing you today that blew you out of the water. In fact, the sell-off of 2%, I also think, is kind of absurd. If that's why it sold off 2%, I realize markets, it's had a big run. Dan talked, it failed at the 200. It was moving down into the event anyway. Maybe. I, I think that's the... That's the I mean, the, today, I mean. That's the yep, go-to yep. action is that you sell it basically on the event. I think they checked the box. I think they did enough to make it interesting. But it's not killing Netflix. Price action shows that. It's helping Roku. Price action shows that. I think they did enough with leaving price action total what sorry what do you mean price action in Roku benefits them tailwind price action in Netflix not a Netflix killer but Apple it's not a savior right Roku is up big today yeah yeah based on the fact that it's going to be included so Apple will be included they need on Roku's Roku, platform yeah okay so guy what do you think credit card the TV plus the arcade the news well, first of all welcome it's great to have you here. Thank you one. very much. We were yeah, you're always we were welcoming. Saying, not always welcome, welcome back. Thank Dan's been gone. Thank welcome back. Thank so let's get that, those pleasantries out of the Thank way. Thank you very much. Nice. So in turn, listen. Was back it, to the matter. I thought it actually pre- was a pretty interesting announcement. They're getting away from the, the hardware side of things, and I think it's pretty interesting. Credit cards, people will say, you know what, not a big deal. For a lot of these millennials, which I am not, it might actually be a big deal. So I think they're working on that install base without question. In terms of the stock, though. The all-time high, 232 or so in September. Traded down to one, what was it, 142-ish uh, on December 24th. If you look at the 50% retracement, puts you exactly where it's trading right now. I happened to watch the Squawk Box in the morning with Joe Kernan. Squawk he interviewed Jim Cramer. Not that I'm trying to curry favor with Jim. Too late Jim now. is a fan of the show. He watches. But what I'll say is Jim was dismayed that Apple was higher in the pre-market, saying this was a perfect setup to sell off. He was right. I do think it backs off a bit here. That's not to cast aspersions at Apple. I just think it's run too far too fast. Can services grow fast enough to offset well, the slowdown in handsets? I thought that was a really interesting thing. I mean, service growth in the quarter was in the teens. You know, it's really decelerated, you know, off of what was a very small base. We had higher growth rates and 50% plus off a of low base. And now that it's become a $20 billion uh, annual business and, and, and growing, um, it's much less. So to me, I think that pointing to services growth is not the whole thing. You have to point to the higher margins. But I think you had a great discussion on your program, the halftime report that's on at noon every day, oh. um, with Tony Saganazzi oh, from Bernstein. No, but 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 they you know Tony said he expects units to be down fifteen percent year over year. This is the third consecutive year that's of big. decline. Yeah, that's units. a that's really huge big. Headline. So you're going to need greater growth and really fat margins. Um, they're splitting revenue. Right. Is it going to be enough? At least gives you the conversation. At least gives you the conversation. We just don't have enough information. But at least at least gives you the conversation to get your mind off of the hardware business that is sluggish and slowing, and it makes you think about that forty right. billion well, dollar it? number in but services. But you think Tim Cook they spent two hours speaking to the entire world about this huge new opportunity they have? Wouldn't you like uh, Wall Street analysts to come out the next day and say this is going to be 
be an X amount of opportunity in fiscal yeah, 2019. And we're going to raise that. They're not doing that. And yeah, so but if, if you think about, first of all, the credit card business guy mentioned that. I, I actually think that that is something that ultimately could move the needle. Um, the services business, I'm sorry, the, the, the Apple Plus, the TV Plus, and whatever's in that bundle, and we realize that they have a few high-profile uh, content creators on their platform right now. Look, it, it's going to take time. There was nothing they could have told us today that would have changed the story. This is about a company that's allocating resources towards high-margin businesses, and at this point and at this valuation, why shouldn't we believe Apple, by the way? I mean, they, they've delivered on everything that they went out to go to do with a, an incredibly loyal well, customer base. Who's the, who? Those guys probably uh, want let that Let me push card. back on one thing. You know, for years, Apple TV was re- released, you know, eight years ago or something. And Steve Jobs, when they released it, called it a hobby. And it's always been categorized as a hobby. So what did you just say? You said Roku had a big day today. There's a lot of other Everything things. Everything had a big it's day It's not anything it. killer. It's a very confusing offering. It doesn't have offering. to be, though, does but, it? But, but here's the thing, Scott. This is the first offering this company has ever put out in the software universe that you can actually get without their hardware. And there's some things that are on Android now. You can get iTunes on an Android device or whatever. That is a massive shift for this company over the 40-year... Well, they have know. to. Well, I know, but so, so the question is, there's so little detail about it. Right. Who knows? This may not be... App, the video streaming business may not be a huge... Was it enough, it wasn't enough for any of... Well, I'll, I'll speak for myself. It wasn't enough for me to say, I'm on board, I'm going to be a buyer of it. First of all, we don't know pricing. We don't know exactly what the offerings are going to be. I don't think there's enough there, but I do own the stock. I own it from lower, and if I own it, it is, in effect buying it today, putting new money to work, because you're still staying long the stock. So I think they did just enough to preoccupy people until we get all the details. Does it get you excited enough about what they're doing from a services standpoint to, again, grow that business to enough scale to offset any slowdown in phones Look, and so hardware? Dan talked about how it's a small base, so the early growth numbers on a relative basis of the Delta or the growth to itself was something that was more impressive a year and a half ago. But it's still in absolute terms of in aggregate terms. This is massive. So, yeah, I am excited. I, I am excited about the loyalty. I am excited about the different ways these guys are monetizing. People are committed to Apple. They're stuck. If they're on their phone and they're going through TV there and I can actually just suddenly pick up a Knicks game by going through that app, I will do that. And I will. $2.99 won't mean a whole lot to me at the time to do it. And I think a lot of people behave that way with Apple. And I'm encouraged by this. Although they're not saying it, I mean, it speaks to what Stan is saying. Their, their focus on services is because they see the deceleration of course. in hardware. Well, they're not going to say that. No, but, but their laser their focus. Their actions speak louder, louder than, than words. words. Jinx. The question is, is the services business, are revenues slowing to the point where it's going to be a hindrance it's, to the overall business, it, it's, right? You can't is, have service revenue slowing. Right. At the same time that that handset sales Fair. are slowing, I think in order to get the valuation that Apple wants, the people that are along the stock wants, I think services revenue has to be around twenty to twenty-two percent of overall revenue. What are we about fifteen percent or so now? Sixteen percent, and that no, that's getting slower towards the upside. Hey, Big listen, stock is. Let, what, no, let, let's not. We're at one point. It's really important. I mean, you don't need to have hyper growth. You digress. can have mid-teens uh, growth on a business that's you know, you, you know that has much higher margins than their hardware business, and that's yes. great for the overall pie. I mean. This doesn't need to be a hyper growth story. It just needs to be a, um, taking some of the total addressable market that exists out there and growing it on your user base that may not be using services of other providers. The negative way to, to spin this from a person who is long, though, is how much has this got their eye off the ball about trying to stem or stop the slide in hardware sales? They're putting an awful lot of time into services. I don't know. Maybe they just don't. Maybe they just can't handle the slider. There's nothing to do about the hardware side, which then becomes an overwhelming well, you negative. You have to target your don't. installed base. You got 1.4 yeah. billion devices 
uh, in the in the universe out there. I know, but I, I'm I'm the install base too, and I, I wasn't I wasn't overwhelmed by this. This is not going to be something that I'm at least at this point. Timmy's going to pay three bucks for a Nick game. Yeah, look, are they I worth, mean, they're probably they worth, worth a buck. Is that like, worth three? What? Bucks? You know what? I will pay three because. But that's what people do on their iPhones, and I think they 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 have a captive audience. This 1.4 billion installed base. Uh, the multiple, by the way, on the services business is probably 20 times as opposed to about 11 times on the hardware, and that's something people forget on a 40 billion dollar. We're missing one really point. You just mentioned Kramer in the morning saying he didn't like the stock was up. The stock since March 8th into lows was trading at 169.50. That was two weeks ago. So, uh, you know, you think about it. The stock has run into this event. It's run big. Think, well, yeah. all, the Rip. stock usually runs into an event right. and then it sells off a little bit. Sakanagi, by the way, on the show this afternoon said that he thought that the stock got a little ahead of itself. Yeah. Do you, you guys agree with that? I would have to. By price action, you would have to agree with that. Right? It's, it's the same thing. The, the marketplace told you the valuation on it. They, they weren't impressed by it. They sold the stock off, and all the peripherals around it were bought today. I mean, don't forget, it's up 10% in a month. But it, it lagged the market, too, Scott. I mean, I think there's some part of it, just an Apple catch-up trade. Sentiment got so poor, and as the market was running, people were looking at valuations that made sense, and Apple had underperformed. Okay. For more on Apple, let's head back to Cupertino with Loop Ventures founder Gene Munster. Gene, you were uh, in the event, I believe, today. So what's your takeaway tonight? Got really two takeaways. First, the financial impact. If you put these four services together and think about what it could add in the next five years, I think about a billion or, or 20 billion or so in revenue. So that probably equates to about 10% in annual services growth for the next five years. And we can break down about where we get that 20 billion, but that's the financial impact. And then I think there's a higher level uh, order that Apple is shooting for here today that gets lost in these announcements that have been largely anticipated. And whether or not the uh, consumers want this uh, remains to be seen, but effectively what Apple is saying is they're going to take things that we interact with every day, whether it's a streaming service, gaming, or our credit card, and we're going to try to change in terms of how people use that. The language that they use is enriching people's lives. And I recognize that when I use that language, it makes me uh, feel like I'm just repeating uh, uh, what their message is here. But I think it is an important distinction. They're trying to create content that isn't about the typical content uh, that we've seen, uh, this enriched lives content, gaming that's more healthy gaming. And I think this is the first time a credit card can actually add transparency. And that gets lost in the conversation today. These subtle little approaches that Apple does to make our lives just a little bit better. And I think that ultimately is going to yield a higher share price. So I'm very much encouraged by the announcements today. So you think it takes the services business to the next level, so to speak? Yeah, definitely uh, on the video side, on the credit card, what they're doing uh, is something that I think other credit card companies must be scrambling right now to try to add that layer of transparency, really shifting the focus from making money as a credit card issuer to try to, uh, Apple's not going to make a ton of money off the credit card. I just want to be also clear about that. I think this in five years can be, call it a billion and a half dollar business, much smaller than uh, the $15 billion. But the interesting part, just to go one more level deeper on the credit card here, that the exciting part about that is that if you look at the other, other announcements today, there are variations, I think, to a, a better degree than we've seen before. But the credit card, that actually was a measurable step forward. That's something that I think most people really haven't, don't think about how they use their credit card. And I think that that is a good example of what an advantage that Apple has of obviously tying together the hardware, the software, and the services. 
So, Gene, when you look at the investment that they're putting in and trying to become a competitor of Netflix, were you underwhelmed by the amount of investment? Should that investment be 10x or is it a fact, to your point, that it's four services, so they're trying to focus on all of them and not just one of them, and they're more of an aggregator versus a direct competitor to so many of the services that they're offering? Well, I think they wanted to try to bundle all these service announcements together. This is a logical time of the year to do that. But unfortunately, when you do that, you have to pre-announce things and we get, don't have a lot of details. So on the let's talk about the video real quickly is that it's unclear how many shows and movies they have. Most likely, it's probably around 40, which is a far cry from Netflix at 1,000 original series. But I think the quality of this is what is going to ultimately stand out. And I suspect the way that Apple is going to measure their success is the number of industry awards. I don't know enough about entertainment and what the proper awards that they would, are going to gun for here. But at the end of the day, I think that this, this content, this different approach, is going to have an impact. And I think that that could be a similar size business as Netflix, call it $15 billion a year. I am in the camp that this will have a negative impact on Netflix stock over the next year. How do you judge the stock today, given the fact that it had such a big run into the, in, into the announcements? I think it's a great example of how these Apple events set up, is that we generally know what's happening going into it, but the significance of what's announced really doesn't, uh, doesn't become more clear to us until uh, quarters and years ahead. And I think I judge the significance is Apple's making a statement. They're going after services, but they're also taking a different approach to services. That different approach is enriching lives and more healthy game content, more transparency around credit. So I view this as a positive. It's in line with Apple's brand. They mentioned security. If you're interested, if you were playing buzzword bingo seven times during, they are heavy on that theme as well, which I think is something unique that Apple can add to these services. This must take a deal for a content company off the table. Uh, what, what would, pardon me, what would it take to get a, I missed that. I'm saying that some, like these kind of announcements that they made today would, would take a, a deal for any kind of content company by Apple yeah. just off the table. Uh, I, I think uh, largely you're right because I think it, what it shows is they want to do something yeah, different. They, they like do if it they themselves. Would acquire, I don't think they're going to acquire Netflix. C, yeah, CBS, they're going to acquire some type of content that's not consistent with this enriching people's lives. They would have to kill a lot of the content. Yeah. And so Gene, I think it largely does take that off the table. Yeah. Gene, thanks. Good to talk to you. As always, Guy. Again. Thank you, Scott. Well, again, Gene nails it all the time, but what I'll say is this. Again, 50% retracement where we closed today off the all-time high to the recent low. The 50-day the fifty day moving average by or large comes in around 175. I think out of benign tape, it's reasonable to think that before earnings on April 30th, Apple retests that 175 level. Yeah, I think they really missed the mark as far as the video content enriching lives. That's not why people have Netflix to Netflix and chill. And the other point about original content, uh, Netflix's original content is less than 8% of their viewable right. hours here. They're an but aggregator. Apple is so far away from this. So the idea of having Oprah TV on Apple TV is not going to be the reason why the ecosystem uses their service. So this is going to be a dud for a bit. All right. Coming up, bank stocks getting crushed in the last week. Now a top technician says could get a lot worse for one key group in that space. He'll be here to tell you which one. Plus, Tesla is sinking after RBC slashes its price target on the electric car maker. The stock just did something, though, that could signal a U-turn ahead. We'll explain what that is. And later, Guy is stepping up to the plate with one stock, he says, is going to be a home run for investors. We'll find out if that name has him at a fever pitch. We're live in New York City's Times Square tonight, and there's much more fast money right after this. 
Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Tesla hitting another speed bump. That after RBC slashed its price target on the stock in a bearish note out this morning. Phil LeBeau has the details in Chicago. Hey, Phil. Hey, Scott, let's talk about this note and some of the concerns about Tesla as it prepares to report Q1 deliveries. That's going to be happening next week. RBC's note today cut the price target for Tesla down to 210 from 245. They also cut their estimate in terms of Q1 as well as full year earnings estimates. And they cut their estimate in terms of deliveries for the first quarter down by 10%. Look, Everybody's been talking about this for some time. Tesla has a number of issues with regard to Q1 deliveries. You had some issues in terms of uh, shipments to China, whether or not uh, Europe would be spooling up as quickly as possible. And there's also some pressure concerns with Model 3 demand here in the U.S. So the tough first quarter for Tesla includes those issues with regard to China deliveries. There's the SEC contempt complaint. That case keeps dragging on. And there's no indication when that's going to end, what the implications might be for Elon Musk. And then the Model Y unveil uh, last week, that was considered lackluster by most of the people uh, who had a chance to take it in. So when you look at shares of Tesla, keep in mind that the first quarter deliveries, they are expected next week. And most people have dialed back their expectations, Scott. The question is, has the bloom come off the rose in terms of Tesla shares for Tesla investors I know we talk about the 260 level holding. The question is, does it hold here? Because this stock, when it's gotten down here, it, it has moved higher. Does that once again happen uh, with shares today? Yeah, that, that is the question. Phil, thanks so much. Phil LeBeau in Chicago. How about that? Well, let's start off with saying if it doesn't hold. If it doesn't hold, you have, a, you have sort of a gap in the chart down to 180. So, you know, maybe maybe 240. But if it does hold, look at all the negatives you have. You have your SEC as a negative. You have deliveries that are negative. You have Musk as a negative right now. I don't believe it'll hold this time, but it has shown extreme well, why resilience. Why is this time going to be different? Because you, you could have yeah, said, yeah, yeah, uh, however long credit. ago, you could have gone down a list of negatives you that could were have. different you from could these. Have. And, and that's why the chart is risks. so volatile. That's why the chart is so volatile. But you either support a resistance or a support level, the more it bangs off against it, or you weaken it. And at a certain point, I think it's going to be weakened, in my opinion. So I, I can give you a whole list, Scott, of why this time is different. I mean, first of all, I think the balance sheet is very different now. I think the stock has stopped going up on these pump announcements that do nothing, um, that really actually don't have a real announcement behind them. So I think the SEC could possibly be a pop for the stock if you get some kind of a settlement. I think deliveries, which really don't even matter anymore because they don't really aren't a sign of demand. So, you know, to me, I, I think it's interesting that the street is now saying, oh, it is a car company. So let's judge it on demand. Let's judge it on, on, on deliveries. That's interesting because for a long time it wasn't a car company. We were buying we were buying technology. We were buying pie in the sky. So. I absolutely think that this is a dynamic where first quarter demand is going to show that there isn't even a demand for the Model 3 that everybody has made as an assumption on this company. So it's a short here? I'm short the stock. You are short the stock. Yeah, but Tim has been negative for quite some time, and he's been right. So just, you know, in a vacuum, let's just broaden it out a bit. And I'll say Thank this. Thank you very I'm, much. No, that. Well, I know at 5 o'clock, history. you typically are not Thank watching. You. You're preparing for other things. I don't blame you. I just wanted to let you know what's <laughs> been you. going on on CNBC's Fast Money each night Thank for the you last very few much. months. 
Now, getting back to Tesla, the stock. Yes. I mean, Steve mentioned where 245. It's an interesting level. That's where we <laughs> bottomed out this time last year. That's where we basically traded down to in October. And that's where we seem to be headed now. So you could say there are no triple bottoms. Probably true. But to Tim's point, it probably is headed down towards that 245 level. So three people think it's going below 260, and then it's not going to recover anytime soon. Well, here, soon. this you is agree? not going to be off of it. I think there's a lot of bad news in the stock right now. So if you have deliveries that come out next week and they're as bad as people I think expect, you can and, and you, you could easily get a pop off the support level. So I, I'm not making a bullish call. I'm not long this stock. Um, I think all of these negatives that these guys have mentioned, I think, are serious negatives. And I think the bigger issue is that we're seeing a, a demand issue right here, I think. And the further this global economy continues to get weakened, you know, this is going to be a huge problem for this company. You talk about that balance. Which it's never it's been still, a demand issue. It's always been a supply issue, and now it's a demand No, I, I think there's no shortage of issues, but in the near term, I'd be very hesitant to press the stock at 260, 250. It's bounced off it pretty nicely here. I, I also say, I mean, my bigger picture view, and I think Guy would probably agree with this, this stock doesn't really have the same following, doesn't really exist in the same way. This valuation isn't, doesn't happen without the Fed, without free money, without people throwing money at things because capital's free. That, that's my real kind of snarky response, too. I, I think there's a lot of companies out there um, that get the benefit of the doubt because investors uh, basically don't have the same cost of capital. All right. For more on Tesla, head to tradingnation.cnbc.com. Here's what else is coming up on Fast. There's no place like home. That's right, Dorothy, because the home builder stocks are soaring this year, and they could see even more gains. Plus, guys bringing the heat, stepping up to the plate to pitch the one stock he says will hit it out of the park next quarter. Find out the name when Fast Money returns. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome back to Fast Money. Yields under pressure again today. The 10 years sinking to its lowest level since December 2017 as growth fears weigh on investors. The financials now the worst performing sector this month, down nearly 5%, the group falling deeper into correction territory as the rate route continues. So is there more pain ahead for the group? What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I suspect so. I mean, the way that they fell apart last week is pretty disappointing. You think about J.P. Morgan. We hear that term best of breed all the time. Look at that chart. It literally dropped 10% in a straight line over the last week. It's trading at two-month lows. It's up 1.5%. On the year, it's at critical support. Um, same thing with Bank America filled in that entire earnings gap. This was at a time in January where people were feeling um, a little bit turned around and thought that the banks could be one of those groups that could kind of lead us out trading at really important support. And just lastly, Morgan Stanley, we talk about all these tech IPOs are coming. Morgan Stanley's on every other one of them. This thing can't get out of its own way. Got rejected at 45. Bank earnings are going to be some of the earliest ones we get in April. And the way that these things act, I would not be optimistic relative to what uh, what we're seeing. You, you, you act, And you're not 
wrong. Yeah. But you act like banks are going out of business every time you talk about the banks. And, did and I, I look sound, at did Citi- I sound hysterical? All right. No, you sound very calm, cool, okay. and collected. And it was it was a very good, yeah. cogent, yeah. thoughtful yeah. piece. But he was the bottom not line, I look at Citibank. Bank, wasn't since, shaking or anything. No, over he, here. he wasn't. He wasn't. Right, actually, I, I, guy. He wasn't like I, I flailing up, all over the place. Dan made a good point. But I feel like we talk about the banks like they're going out of business when they're definitely not going out of business. And in fact, if I look at Citibank relative to the market since the December 24th sell-off, it's actually outperformed the S&P. So, uh, and a handful of the banks have outperformed, which the makes market. you think that they can have more to the downside. I mean, when you when you Maybe, look at it, but, but when you look at it, inverted yield curve. It also means that they're not. They're not. You know, they're not trading like death. But, no, but inverted yield curve don't necessarily mean good stocks. But inverted yield curve and lack of growth. Both, both, it, growth is slowing the here. The curve's steepening in the last few days. What, what curve are you looking at? I'm looking at the one that the banks the look at. Three, three, uh, three month, 10 year. That's the one oh, that's. So now just we're gained. talking about that. Oh, now we're talking about that? What do you think caused the sell off I mean, on Friday? It seems like people talk about two's tens all well, the time. Hang on a second. We're talking right. about three month, three month, 10 year. That's what caused the sell off. What are they talking about down in Metcamp? That's the one that the Fed guys are looking at. Baseball. Well, the way I, the way I see it is, hey guys, so if we're talking about... Do you guys hear about a three-month tenure? Just checking. What is the yield curve? <laughs> if we're talking about the short end of the yield curve, which at least to me is the two-year note, which is where people are pricing in a lot of the Fed expectations, by the way, which has fallen 50 basis points um, faster than the Fed, than the tenure has fallen 50 basis points. In fact, the yield curve yeah, is actually steep over really, the last couple days. That's what's really bear. No, first of all, the 210 spread's been at 15 basis points for the whole year, basically. The, what you, you had is they both moved down, and now you just had... The short end of the curve has rallied more than the long end. Right. So, But here's the thing. What is that short end telling you right now about potential for growth right here? It's not bullish. Of Dan. course that's the it point. is. Uh, I agree with I mean? that. So, that's, so that's why it's selling off. The Fed's going to actually right maybe cut. It's being priced in. Right. Yes. Okay. Now, you want to say now, now I'm hysterical. <laughs> let's, let's, start, let's start this block all over again. Go ahead, guy. It's a, it's a, it's a very entertaining show. It's more entertaining when you're actually it's supposed to be a participant <laughs> yeah. and a viewer. You want to just get and off the I, desk and like pull a chair up over there? Or do you want to participate? I, I, everybody makes great points. I look at the banks this way. In this environment, what is the level to buy them at? And I would say when Citibank gets around 85% of tangible book, which for Citi is 63 Gets to about $54. That's where you buy the stock. Historically, if you look over the last two years, if it gets down to those trough valuations, it's been a screaming buy. That's where I think it's going. Okay. Our next guest says, despite the fallout in financials, there is still one name in the space that's worth a buy. Let's go off the charts now with Ari Wald of Oppenheimer over at the Plasma. Take it away. All right, Scott. It's all about interest rates and the drop we've seen. Before getting into the effect. Let's try to identify the cause. And, and for us, what we see is going on, it's more about what's going on overseas than what's going on in the U.S. Uh, here's the chart of the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield and the German Bund yield. Now, in the U.S., inflation, break-even inflation expectations are still positive year-to-date. So we don't think it's about fears of disinflation in the U.S. We think it's because this German Bund yield is now into negative territory. It's dragging the U.S. rate lower. We have the U.S. rate now below 2.5%. These two lines are retracement levels of 38.2 and a 50%. Now below 25 I think there is risk to 2.3%. That's what's going on. I think if you're worried about these lower rates, first thing you want to do is sell what's causing it. That's what's uh, your, your European shares. I think that's where the, the, the greater downside risk is. Now let's talk about the implications in the U.S. Now I think as the long end of the curve Um, continues to fall. You're going to have continued flattening in the yield curve. Speaking in terms of the 210, the 210 hasn't inverted yet. 
Uh, but I do think it continues to flatten, and I think that's going to signal uh, uh, these, uh, this lower growth world that we're in, and I think it puts the premium on higher growth stocks. I think you're going to have continued outperformance by growth and underperformance by value. That's the blue line. You see the very tight correlation be- between the two 10-yield curve in orange and the, the growth value relationship, value underperforming when it falls in blue. So let's speak in terms of probably the biggest value area, that's financials, and really the, the area that's really been hit within financials has been the regional banks, even much more than the large cap money centers. Here's the ETF, ticker KRE, inflecting lower from its falling 200-day moving average, really never pushed through resistance. I think as an equity investor, you're rooting for this. You want to see this make a higher low, but you're betting elsewhere. Because very weak relative performance, new relative low versus the S&P 500. That signals to us if the S&P sours group right here is really at risk to get hammered. I think that's where uh, you want to stay away from. Here's what you want to bet on. You want to bet on the growthier stocks, the fintech side. Visa, new, coming off a new cycle high in this questionable market tape. That's a sign of relative strength. Here's a stock that held up better during the Q4 volatility. It brought the market out. It broke out. That breakout level's at about uh, $150. That's your new support level. That's relative strength. I think in general, large, uh, high growth, large cap, quality, names like Visa is how, where you want to be invested right now. All right. Good stuff, Ari. Thank you so much, Ari Wald of Oppenheimer. Who else likes Visa on the desk? Anybody? Sure. They're money printing machines. I mean, if you want to go with a financial that's not really your risk financial and, and the health of the consumer is good, then you stick with the credit card companies. They performed in the past up 15% year to date on Visa. I would think that that's pr- probably a pretty safe place in a not so safe environment. You know, we forget that the regional banks also had a bid two months ago from consolidation. The SunTrust, BB&T, I, I think there is more to do there. If you talk to folks that are betting and actually investing, I should say, in that space, they expect major consolidation to continue. That should be underpinning these banks. All right, coming up, Semi's getting smoked again after a big run from the lows. What's going on with the chip space? We'll break that down coming up. Plus, Guy Adami's warming. There he, he is. He is warming up. There he, he is the over one there. stock he there says he will mark the spot for investors It's a little hint for you at home. We'll find out the name when Fast Money comes right back. (laughs) Welcome back to Fast Money. Hopes for a China trade deal are on the rise as President Trump is expected to meet with lawmakers this week. And if a deal does get done, Guy Adami says there is one name that could see a big boost. He's at the plasma with the fast pitch. Guy, what are you looking at? Well, thanks for that toss, Scott, and I appreciate it. And my pitch for you <laughs> folks at home, U.S. Steel, letter X. And you'll say why, why the stock has been grim death for the last year. You'd be correct. You know, this was a $37 stock before President Trump started talking about China trade tariffs this time last year, seemingly on its way to 45 The stock got stopped in its place. And it's gone straight down ever since. But the stock is cheap. It's been cheap for a while. I get it. But it's particularly cheap now. Number two, well, if you read Barron's, something I like to do, steel prices are rising. It's something that Tim has talked about over the last couple weeks as well. And the last one, I think there's an asymmetrical risk to the upside that if a China trade deal gets done, you're going to see this stock explode to the upside. And when I say explode, you can reasonably see a 15 to 20 percent move and it would probably still be cheap. So there's a chance. And if you throw it to the chart here, folks, slide it, Earl, 
that we trade down to the levels we saw around Christmas Eve, which is 17 and a half, 18. But I do think we're sort of at a bottom here, and the hope of a trade deal gets this stock probably back to the mid to upper 20s. Scott. All right. Tim yeah, has I, a question for you. Yeah, I, so I, I agree with you. The utilization rates, uh, the prices in steel are very impressive, and this stock has been nowhere. In fact, you can almost mark the first trade headline to, 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 to where the stock began to fall out of bed to where it is. So my question to you is ultimately, um, steel stocks tend to rally when you actually have this dynamic that people understand what the trade environment is. Um, what's your catalyst here? Because I'm not sure we're going to get that uh, in the next Yeah, you know, months. honestly, I think you're right. I'm not a big believer in a trade deal as well, but, you know, maybe pre- president feels this Mueller investigation is behind him. The next thing to do is to get a deal with the Chinese done. I'm not certain it's going to happen, but again, asymmetrical. And you talk about are things already in the stock. And you look at J.P. Morgan recently cut their price target in the stock. I think they lowered their rating as well, but they cut their price target from, I think, $34 a share to $33 a share. What does that tell me? It tells me that although, listen, it's been bad on a number of different levels, To me, the risk to the upside, in my opinion, far outweighs the risk to the downside. Tells me they cut it by a buck. Yeah, Guy, where do you stop it to the downside? Because to Tim's point, what if we don't have a deal for months? We're seeing manufacturing activity slow pretty dramatically of late here. And while the tariffs are great, they seem to be the only ones that benefiting. But overall, lower economic output, less global growth is not a good setup. So where do you stop it? And to answer your question, I think whatever that low is, and I believe it was 17 and a half on or about Christmas Eve, that's sort of your line in the sand, the line of demarcation, as it were. Dan, X marks the spot. <laughs> oh, I see what you did. See what I did there? Knew that was coming. All right, let's vote. Are you buying Guy's pitch on U.S. Steel, Timmy? Yeah, and by the way, Guy, I appreciate you pitching with a Mets uniform on today, so let's go Mets. Um, yeah, I am a buyer. I actually think U.S. Steel is a company that's very, very cheap. Uh, I've been long it from different levels here. I'm long it right now, and I think it's going higher. It's impressive artwork, right? Mm. Thanks. Mr. So, Grasso. So it's not the first thing I'd run out and buy, but it is close to oversold. So basically on a technical basis, I'll say buy it, but I'm going to keep it on a shorter leash instead of wait, waiting for it to ticket that 17 level. If it breaks 18 and a half, I say bail, oh. but you could buy it now. I said buy. I said buy. Okay. Weird. Danny boy. Yeah, I'm not a buyer and that's not a surprise. I think Guy did a very nice job. You guys all bring up some really good points. I just don't think we're going to have a substantive (laughs) trade deal anytime soon. Um, And I think you're going to get to buy it lower. When you say it's not a surprise, you mean that people aren't expecting you to buy anything these days? I don't know. I'm just, you know. (laughs) Okay. Just throwing it out. Yeah. Okay. The desk is spoken. Now it's time. It's your turn. At home, are you buying Guy's pitch on U.S. Steel? Vote now in our Twitter poll. We're going to reveal the results later in the show. And coming up, watch out below because the semis are sinking. And fast, should you buy the dip or stay away? We'll debate it next. We're back. Going fast money. Time for a buzzkill. The semi stock sinking again today. NVIDIA, Applied Materials, Micron all getting hit. The semis getting crushed in the last week after that big rally to start the year. So what do you do now with the semis? There were a couple of downgrades today, too. There were. I think analog devices, Texan. Right. Look, if we are questioning growth, who's going to underperform? And look at the three. Essentially, it's, it's really a two-day move in semis off the intraday high on Thursday. And you're at 5.5% at the lows today in basically two sessions in semis, which arguably had significantly outperformed. Basically, it outperformed the S&P by almost 10, you know, 1,000 basis points since the market's rebound. So uh, what do you do here? Look, I don't think you have to do a whole lot. 
spot. Frankly, the chart um, doesn't look great here in the next couple of days. But, um, you know, we talk about it. I think, fortunately, people are now breaking it down into people like Micron and people that are in more commoditized businesses versus the guys that are in the high growth areas like NVIDIA. And the question is, what's going on in gaming uh, or in Intel? And Intel, to me, is the safest place to be because they're right up the middle. Leadership groups start to get hit. you got a problem. Right. I mean, semis have been a big leader on the way up, just like they were a leader no late last year on the way down. No, 100 percent. I mean, think of some of the moves. Xilinx, for example. You repeat some yourself 100 percent. Can you just say it again? I'm 100 percent right. No, I know. You. I was telling you to say it again. He liked 100%. it. 100 percent. Yeah, it's nice. You like the way I said it? I did. 100 <laughs> percent. Thank you. Tim mentioned Micron. Let's quickly talk about Micron because Steve brought this up and he's right. I was shocked that Micron rallied off that earnings report because, quite frankly, I thought it was a pretty lousy earnings report. Now the stock is trading like it should have traded last week. I do think, given the run that that stock has had, it's reasonable to see 35 and the bull run won't be over. But it's just much like Apple. It's just gotten ahead of itself. Basically, you have what S.C. Bernstein said. You have expectations for the second half of the year elevated. You have valuations elevated. You have supplies elevated. But to Micron, to that point, just look at the chart on DRAM. It follows DRAM almost to a T. Whenever it overextends one way or another, it eventually evens out. I'd be a seller of semis. Timmy? Yeah. All right, great. 100%. Yeah, yeah it's all good. 100%. percent what he said. Okay, coming up. I thought I started this conversation. I was going to go hey, for you to, you like, wrap it up. Want me to do, do the tease? Into the I was going to have you button it up. Okay. Well, now you're defiant, though. I'm just going to do a tease. Uh, Home builders are on a tear this year up around 20%. There are two events that could signal a bigger <laughs> rally. We'll explain. And let's get a check on our Kramer cam. There it is. There's Jimmy. He's chatting with Thermo Fisher, CEO, who just announced a big biotech acquisition this morning. You can catch that interview and more at the top of the hour. Welcome back to Fast Money. Home builders on a tear this year. Yields are sinking and the options market is expecting a bigger move for the group as two key names get set to report earnings. You're going to go over to the plasma and show us what's up? I, I will do that, Scott. All right. um, we have two, a little saunter we have over two, there. We have two home builders reporting this week. We have KBH tomorrow after the close. Implied move in the options market is about 8%. Lennar um, on Wednesday after the close, implied move about 7% in either direction. Um, those two names got me looking at the ITB. That's the ETF that tracks. Um, it's the iShares Home Builders ETF. Um, that thing saw... Call activity three times that of puts today, kind of hot. And there was one strike in particular in the April 12th weeklies when the ETF was trading at 34.60 this morning. There was a buyer 5,000 of the April 12th 35 strike calls, paying 63 cents to open for those. Those break even at 35.63 on April 12th expiration. Looks to me like a defined risk play, maybe into this group breaking out a little bit on better than expected um, earnings. We have a couple charts here. The ITB, I think it's worth taking a look at here. One reason you may say. Why would someone trade two weekly, uh, you know, weekly strike options calls into an event like this? Well, look at this thing. It's obviously had this big rebound in January and February, but it's really since consolidated in March. If you want to draw a little line, which I can do sometimes, this thing is banging up a little bit against some resistance of that downtrend um, that's been in place over the last year. I want to go to the five-year chart because this is kind of interesting. This is that massive downtrend from the early 2018 highs. Look at this consolidation. It's above that downtrend. Looks kind of healthy there. But if we have a miss and this thing goes back down, you got an air pocket down to about 30 bucks. And again, if you're looking at those April 12th, 35 at the money calls that traded about 
They close at about 90 cents or so. You know, your, your break even is up about 3% uh, or so. So that's a good way to play with defined risk in a group that is expected to be volatile. There is an event, and we know it's very interest rate sensitive. Okay. Danny? Grasso, what do you got? So last week in the, in the home builders, the existing home sales crushed estimates. You've got rates that are not going a higher. So that's been a, that's been a headwind. People have been trading it off rates, oddly enough. Lumber prices have come in. There's a lot of tailwinds. And I think the bear thesis is drying up in the home builders. I'm still long Lennar. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, home builders didn't do particularly well when we were at record low interest rates. Um, I, I agree that they certainly get headwinds when interest rates start to move higher. You know, I, I look at across the space and I think these are probably range bound trades at this point. I do think that they were oversold. I think the interest rate association is, is wrong, by the way. I think the biggest issue for a housing market is that there's a lack of affordability and there's a lack of supply. And that's really been the issue. Which will catch up to the home builders, I think, in the quarters to come. But I think for this quarter, and good for Steve, that I think they continue to rally into this quarter. I think people will look at interest rates, number one. So I do think there's upside, number one. Number two, I would mention, the Defiant Ones was a great movie, 1958. Well, you mentioned being Defiant. No, I was Defiant. Sidney Poitier. I thought you were talking about the uh, Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine Defiant Ones. (laughs) There's a Dr. Dre and a Jimmy Iovine. That's actually. (laughs) You haven't seen that? That's a good watch. That's a good watch, by the way, guy. Documentary. Back to. Wow. Sorry about that. Better movie. Dating yourself. All right, for more options, action, check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Up next, we'll do final trades. Welcome back. It was a close call, but unfortunately, X did not mark the spot. America is not buying, guys. Pitch for U.S. Steel. How close was it? It's a shame. It wasn't even close. Oh, the dance mix. I have no idea. I'm just going. It wasn't even close. Well, right. It's never close. Glad you didn't dance, <laughs> yeah. guy. No, right. Because this is a mix. This is an awful song before the awful mix. I thought you had a shot, though, to be honest. Uh, I don't know. I, I, you did. Well, you I mean, you got your three yes votes on the desk, desk, right? Yeah. I mean, you know. And we're indicative of Talk where about the, the power you guys is. have to sway America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do a good job of that. All right, let's do, let's do final trades. Timmy, So we talked off. a lot about Apple. The, the way I look at the Apple announcement today is if being an aggregator and number two to Netflix in this space right now is what they're, they're shooting for, good for them. Um, I want to be long Apple here. Okay, I am Grasso, what do you got? Jim Cramer's got a great interview coming up. Thermo Fisher, I'm going for that after, uh, after knock-on effect of Thermo tomorrow morning. Thermo Fisher. Danny. The Kramer effect. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Here's the Nathan effect. Don't buy the banks here. You're going to get an opportunity <laughs> lower, and then you buy them into Q1 earnings in April. Is that the same weeks. as the Kramer effect? Yes. Guy Adami. Great to have you here, It's Scott. been a pleasure. We'll see you on Wednesday. Yes, you will. Yes, 100%. Tomorrow. Yes, you will. 100%. U.S. Steel in your face. All right. Does it for us. More Fast tomorrow, 5 p.m. Mad Money with Jim Kramer, as we just said, begins right now. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.